Cloud9 falls in the Rumble stage. We have a very sad week for LCS fans. Blue Jay and JNT250 bringing you guys episode 42 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. JNT, let me be your shrink for just 10 seconds and just let me ask you how do you feel about this week's games? How do you feel about the overall performance of Cloud9 or just the Rumble stage in general? What are you thinking? Tell me your thoughts. What's sad about Cloud9 is it's not like this team was absolute trash and they were ne they never had a chance against any of these teams and they didn't make it out and they were the fifth seed. And that, that, that could be a somewhat acceptable world to live in if they were just bad. But that's the problem is they're not bad. They're actually very good. They're also very inconsistent. So we saw a lot of great games from Cloud9, even great games and losses. But unfortunately, we saw a lot of bad games and a lot of inconsistency, a lot of what most people would say is coin flip uh, between Blabber and Perks and their decision-making around Scuttlecrabs. Uh, yeah, it's sad because they had potential and it just were hitting tails too many times. Yeah, I would say that sometimes very good, sometimes very bad. And I would also say that I think the community in general is kind of having this the grass is always greener on the other side kind of feel where it's like at least like like oh we look so good and we still didn't move on i think it would look worse if we looked bad and we didn't move on uh, uh just a heads up guys you're gonna get a lot of copium takes this episode i oh, think Jesus. i think may, may, well maybe not i don't know the thing is it's not a copium take as in like i'm trying to to just be positive it's legit how i feel the fact that cloud nine can take games off the top teams is a good sign the fact that they can lose to pgg is an awful sign so like let's be honest there's a lot of good but a lot of very bad and knowing how to feel is probably um really confusing for lcs fans cloud nine fans especially and yeah i i just think there's a whole bunch of emotions going on um but for me i actually don't think it's as bad as if um cloud nine would have just shit the bed completely um, but yes, overall, though, there was more bad. You don't have more good than bad and win only three of ten games on a Rumble stage. And so I think we should just get into Cloud9 a little bit more. Uh, we are going to break down pretty much every team in the Rumble stage, guys. So don't worry, we will get to all the teams. Let's start with Cloud9, though. That's what most of our listeners want to hear. Where do you want to start? What went wrong, JNT? Um, well, here, well, most people would argue they'd be like mid-jungle and a lot of their decision-making in the game in terms of being, you know, too over-aggressive, a lot of these scuttlecrab plays that were going on. And I was really trying to think about, like, why is it that Cloud9 is making the active decision to kind of toss up the game in these early stages? And it just must be that in either practice or in scrims or just something with their coaching that is just telling them that, like, getting early crabs in terms of an XP lead for junglers is super important because there's no reason why you'd be opting into potentially 50 50 or even 40 60 plays for scuttle crabs if you don't think it's a good idea and, and that's the thing that i think cloud nine has had a lot of problem i wouldn't even call it a problem but we get a lot of that from cloud nine is they do some they are sometimes a bit stubborn in their decision making which we previously mentioned like a bunch last year how cloud nine was always super eager to fight in terms of forcing a lot of early plays and forcing early teleports. I think in this specific instance with this whole Crab9 meme is Cloud9 was a bit stubborn in their ways in terms of they always want to have Scuttle Crab advantage. You remember, what, what game was it? It was the Kindred mid game or 
Yeah, it, it was the Kindred mid-game where they had just gotten bought Scuttle Crab against Mad Lions, and then they decide to just 180 book it to the other Scuttle Crab after not having top lane priority, and after mid lane had already like been shoving. They had to walk through mid lane. The river had all been warded up, and from that point, like Fudge missed Q on Scion, and like you just saw what happened. Like two Mad Lions members live one HP. Three kills over. To, three kills go over to Mad, and the game is pretty much over from there. Yeah. So I did stubborn team but i do want to play the other side of things and say that if those fight if we're talking specifically about the one against mad lions where there was absolute disaster well i mean that's one of them i guess but mm -hmm. i guess with that one specifically i would say that if that fight goes well we're not even really talking about it right i mean yeah and and that game is the whole landscape of that game is completely different because cloud nine is running a little bit more of like a face roll team. I mean, both teams were a bit face roll in terms of if the, one was going to get a lead over the other, the game was probably going to end pretty quickly because when you're picking this kindred mid, it, it's a pick that it's like feast or famine pretty much. You're either going to pop off, kill them all, and do a lot of damage as kindred with all your stacks, or you're going to be completely useless. And unfortunately, after that whole debacle in the river, Perks was completely useless that entire game. Yeah, and the thing is, though, for me, it doesn't just stop with that game as far as perks, for example. Oh. You mentioned before how, like, most people will point to mid-jungle. I think there's a very good reason people are pointing to mid-jungle. Both of them, both Blabber and perks, struggled a lot in this tournament. And, I, yeah, I mean, name the champions that perks played. Most of them, he didn't look good on, right? Like, it, it, I watched the... Um, uh, the brain check episode that Cloud9 puts out with their comms. And I was just watching all of the games, like some of the um, the replays and some of the highlights of the games. And it just gave me a swift reminder of how there were so many games where perks just didn't look good, which is not what you expected when you signed him for, uh, I don't know, people are saying 5 million for the buyout. And then there's a talk about 11 million, whatever it is, that's not what you paid that kind of money for. Right. And so seeing perks really underperform in this tournament is a big uh-oh sign uh, for North America and Cloud9 fans. Yeah, I'm, I'm literally just going through their match list. I think Perks had maybe one, like, actually good game. Only one. And which one uh, was that one? It would be his first game against RNG, where he's playing the least in mid. Because for the most part, I mean, he did have a couple of other pretty solid performances. He had two Zoe games, which he was looking pretty good on, the one against RNG and the one against Pentanet. But for the most part, I think... If you point to that Pentanet game, uh, the first Pentanet game I'm talking about here, uh, that was more of like Blabber and Sven Vulcan doing a whole lot on the trio of uh, apes, what I would call them, in Udi or Senna Tom Kench. You just pick those champions, and if you're better, or if you just reach a certain point into the game, you become unkillable and can't win the game. But other than those two Zoe games where he's playing you know, against RNG and Pentanet, that only other Lee Sin game is the only good game that I can think of. I'm looking through all every single match. And Perks is struggling out here. Yeah, I would say his Lucian game, he pretty much cost Cloud9 that game. They had a lead. They had three dragons, if I'm not mistaken, and he tried flanking Damwon as a Lucian. Two, uh, on two separate occasions that game, he was, like, flanking yeah. as the ADC, as mid lane Lucian. What else did he play? Uh, I can't he even remember. He had that Victor game against PSG where Maple was kind yeah. of, like, 1v9ing. He had yeah, a bad yeah. Trist. He had a Trist game against somebody. Yeah, the uh, the yeah that game, Oriana game, which he, he balled on yeah. against against the Akali against PSG. That's one of them. Mm. Like that was another reason why they lost that game is Akali got out of hand against Perks's Victor in the mid lane. Yeah, and his, so, all his... this to say, he struggled a lot, and it's not like he didn't have a lot of chances to redeem himself 
you played 10 games in the rumble stage. And so that's, that's a, like, if it was one or two games, you know, you wouldn't think too much about it. But when you see that many games and him struggling that often, that's, that's pretty scary, right? Yeah. I, I mean, really taking a look at it, I, I would actually, as much as a lot of the disasters did happen around the scuttle crab and with blabber, I would actually argue that perks was the worst performing member from cloud nine. I think blabber had a lot of bad performances, but in the other performances, I think he was actually doing a lot of work. I thought his Morgana was actually really, really good. His Volibear game against RNG was really good. Um, even whenever he got his hands on Udyr, yeah, sometimes Cloud9 didn't always pick up the win, but it did feel like Blabber was doing as much as he could in the early game to get as big of a lead as possible as Cloud for Cloud9. But if I had to point the finger at somebody, I would definitely point it at Perks. That's so crazy that because I, I went through that whole I went through this back and forth in my head today about who I thought the worst performer was Blabber or Perks. I also landed on Perks and to to pretty much what you just said there. The reason I went with Perks in my head was I think there was more errors from the side of Perks and there was more good things that came from the, the side of Blabber, even though Blabber was more of a disaster on those bad plays. And so I actually agree with you, and that's a bad thing to to really think when you think about that. That uh, if you believe that Perks is the worst performer on Cloud Nine at an international tournament, that's a problem, and yeah, that's that's definitely what I believe. Yeah. Um. The other thing that I also thought was really interesting is Perks played like a ton of unique champions, and Cloud Nine as a whole. They even said it in an interview. I don't remember who the interview was with, but. They basically were saying that they were just trying things and seeing what and was trying to find what worked out because a lot was going wrong for Cloud9. I mean, in the in the early part of the group stage, they started off 0-2. In the early part of the Rumble stage, they started off 0-4. And not including that Pentanet win, they were like, what they had, they had lost five games in a row pretty much if you exclude that first Pentanet game. And Perks played, well, let me see. He had one, two, three, four, five, six. Played seven unique champions. Eight. He played eight unique champions across ten games. In like the, the Rumble stage yeah, alone. Yeah, in, in the Rumble stage alone. And see, normally we point to that as being an asset, but if you're not performing well, it's really not an asset, right? Yeah. That's no longer a champion pool that you have anymore. That's I don't know what you want to call it. Uh, I don't know a puddle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, was... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but let, on the other side, though, I will say that the best performer, hands down, has to be Fudge, right? Like, sure. oh my god, what a turnaround! What an absolute turnaround! Because a lot of people were the, the conversation that was being had at the start of the split was you know, there was the um, the, the power rankings of the top laners that got memed on a lot, and how Fudge was at the bottom for a lot of people. And a lot of people said, No, that's wrong. You know what? From the start of the split, I agreed that he should have been towards the bottom, he was awful. I agree too, but holy shit. He has turned it around so like so well. He was definitely their best performer. And whenever you put the game in his hands on a carry, his lease in was great. Uh, he he just performed so well. And even today, like yes, today it was um it was on the uh, Aurelia, and yeah, the game didn't really matter. So I don't want to give too much credit for a game that doesn't count that much. But he popped off in that game too. It was like after starting like zero three. Anytime you put him on a carry, my God, did he find a way to snowball and get leads. And that is just not the guy I was expecting to see it from. So, yeah, really, really impressed with Fudge throughout the tournament. Yeah, I think he's done a great job in, you know, changing the narrative because people were asking for him to be subbed out or 
after the lock-in tournament, people were like, oh, well, Cloud9 needs to have a backup plan because this guy clearly isn't up to the same level as the rest of the players. But completely agree with you. I think Fudge was the best performing player. One of the things that I said constantly throughout the spring split is when Cloud9 was playing through Fudge, even when he wasn't looking very good, he, they would still find good success specifically when he was playing early on in the lock-in tournament when he got that counterpick Irelia or when he was playing Camille or when he was playing Jax, anything like that. And I really didn't like when Cloud9 was just putting him on a tank and just not looking his direction the entire game. He had a streak at one point where he played like six tank Gragas games in a row. And that's really what I just, I wasn't liking that out of Cloud9. And it's really good to see that, you know, he is that kind of Alfari-like player who is very good on tanks and can play alone if possible, but he's also doing a lot on these carries, specifically with the Lee Sin, uh, his Lee Sin against, uh, who who was it? Uh, what the, what was the game where he won B9 on? Was it the RNG game? The I don't remember, man. There's too many games. Oh, it, it was Dude, the... Every team, every team played 10 times over the last week. Well, I was thinking of the, the Lee Sin game from the previous stage, which was really, really nice, and he did have some great performances throughout the entire tournament uh, in, again, in losing efforts because a lot of the efforts from Cloud9 were losing efforts. And I think Fudge definitely w was one of the few Cloud9 players who was showing a lot more good than bad in this tournament. Yeah, and I don't want to make it sound like he's the best top laner in the tournament and he didn't have any mistakes because he definitely did, but everyone does. And I'm just saying that he was their best performer and he had a great tournament overall. And there, that is something to be excited for because, like I said just a couple of weeks ago, the biggest worry going into the tournament was him in the top lane. And now I think my biggest worry would be mid-jungle, how that has shifted. Yeah, I, I would think... I don't know if my opinion has really shifted on mid-jungle specifically. One thing that I thought was very interesting, that I, I, it was a clip from LS's stream, and he was talking about Blabber and how his opinion of Blabber is that when it comes to executing and coordinating practiced plays and champions, he is one of the best junglers in North America and, and is, an inter is a strong international jungler, which I actually completely agree with. But... His main point was that when Blabber has to do a lot of improvisation during a game and isn't always on a champion that he's super comfortable with, he can struggle. And I, I, I racked my brain about that, but that actually does make a lot of sense. We, we, think about, we think back to a lot of games where Blabber is either behind or is on some sort of a champion or matchup that he's not very comfortable in. That does kind of reign true because in, in a lot of these games when Cloud9 fell super far behind in the early game in these grab plays that they were going weren't working it was very hard for him to get back into the game because he's playing you know this style and cloud nine is so kind of set in their ways like they're normally the team playing from ahead and you know it's on blabber to sort of get them back into the game because perks is struggling and to some extent their bot lane was struggling in certain points and it could be a possible explanation for why we sometimes see blabber just run it down that could like that kind what we see out of blabber does seem to kind of match what LS would be saying there. So I hadn't heard that before, but it is definitely an interesting thought. Uh, let's talk on the bot lane real quick. The bot lane, I thought, had a good tournament. I just think they didn't have a great tournament. Uh, what would you say about the bot lane? I, I thought they were pretty solid. I think against the lower, like the, the lesser competition, as in the two wildcard teams in Dead FM and uh, Infinity, and even some against some of the weaker bot lanes at MSI in the Rumble stage, I thought they did very well. But for the most part, against the really good bot lanes, they were just doing like a solid job. And I do think that Vulcan was probably the better of the two in terms of Definitely. Vulcan and Sven. 
because yep. Sven did have a few you know, like a few int moments and int games where he's you know going a little bit too early or he you know he's making a little bit he's either like not picking his timing to go in properly or he's going in too early there wasn't really that much of a middle ground but i do think that both Sven and Vulcan overall had a good tournament I, I, there's nothing too much to complain from them and i just think you know they're a solid bot lane yeah, I, I agree with you in saying that Vulcan was the better of the two. I definitely think he had a good tournament. And, and I agree that Sven had a good tournament as well. But again, there were just some run-it-down plays that didn't seem to make any sense. I think it was against a Gragas. Was that in an RNG game? When he was Tristana and he just walked up mid? And Was, yeah. was it Ming playing the Gragas support? Mm -hmm. Again, we we watched way too many games over it the was. past week. It was the first it was. RNG game. I went back and watched that play the, the day that it happened. I went back and watched that play and tried to have an understanding of in what world do you just walk up to a Gragas like that at the wave? And there's no world. It's just purely disrespect, and it ends up costing you. And so, yeah, th there are things like that that I can't just forget that Sven did, but there were some really nice pop-off moments as well, and he was able to uh, do what he normally does in team fights, which is just put out damage. That's literally your job as an AD carry, and so when you do that, I have to say that overall he had a good tournament, and it's unfortunate that uh, you can have a good tournament like the bot lane had, or you could have a great tournament like your top laner had, and still not move on when four out of six teams move on. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to touch on Vulcan really quickly, and he, I think in terms of his role in Cloud9 is a little bit similar to Blabber, is the two Lulu games that he played against Damwon and PSG. And while I think that Lulu is a pretty strong champion right now in, in that first uh, uh, Damwon game, they're running the double AD carry comp with the Enchanter Karma and Enchanter Lulu, and it, the comp was working out very, very well. But you kind of saw when Cloud9 started to fall behind, their comp didn't have a lot of playmaking, and Vulcan kind of got a bit lost in terms of what he was able to do during the game. And I do find sometimes that when Vulcan isn't on these straight-up engagers, whether it's the Alistar, whether it's the Leona, whether it's the Rel, I do think that sometimes when Cloud9 does start to fall behind, they lack that sort of go button because, you know, we always talk about Cloud9 and how good they are at finding their fight. And usually that's off the back of Vulcan making some crazy engage with an Alistar or something like that. And I just felt in those two Lulu games specifically, like, it wasn't like, that Vulcan was having a bad game or Vulcan wasn't having a lot of impact the later the game went. It was just that it's not his sort of natural play style and he's kind of the guy to help Cloud9 get back into the game. And when he's playing a champion that can't exactly do that, they also seem to struggle. So what I'll say on that is I actually still like that they ran the Lulu Cog. You know that I talked to your ear off about it a couple of weeks ago. So I actually like that they ran the comp. And to me, them losing that game had nothing to do with them not having Vulcan on a playmaker, although I do agree he's a great playmaker. To me, Blabber just went way too aggressive. You're scaling with a Kogma and two Enchanters. You win the game if you just relax. You don't need to... There was no reason to rush any team fight in that game. And that's why they lost that game, because Blabber decided to take a fight by engaging on a Leona and just dying straight up and then they just lose the fight and now you fall through three or 4k gold behind where you had an even gold uh the, the gold was even rather and you're going into the late game with Kogma lulu you just needed to wait for cog to get one more item i think he was maybe on two items or maybe an item and a half but as soon as he gets to three items and you got double enchanter you're in a great spot and you probably win that game yeah th they were scaling in that game but i guess my point was is 
if Cloud9 does have those int moments where they do either throw their lead or set themselves behind, it can be difficult for them to get back into the game when they don't have those tools. Because it does feel that does feel like Cloud9, especially in this tournament, was making a lot of poor mistakes in the late game when it came to decision making and positioning and, you know, players kind of going off on their own, doing something that they shouldn't be, like uh, people like basing on wards or people clearing vision without their team being there whatsoever. And it just felt like when Cl with the way that Cloud9 was playing, with them not having a very strong late game and there being a lot of, you know, mistakes happening, that can sometimes get amplified when you don't have a playmaker to help you, you know, get yourself back into the game. Yeah, I, I definitely see where you're coming from, and especially since that's what we've seen for the last year, year and a half with Falcon is the playmaker support, right? So it is a fair argument. I would just, I guess, I would say I would like to see him play more Enchanters to have a opinion on just how good or bad he is on Enchanters. Is how I would look at that. But um, yeah, definitely won't complain when I see him on Alistair. We know he has uh, a lot of uh, influence on the game when he's on those kinds of picks. Um, should we start to touch now? We, we've gone about 20 minutes on Cloud9. Let's touch on some of the other teams in the Rumble stage. Let's just start at the top. Uh, Damwon has the first spot right now. Uh, what are your thoughts on Damwon? It's weird because it, it doesn't feel like they were the number one team, even though that RNG is the second seed moving on after the Rumble stage, it still felt that RNG was the best team in the Rumble stage. Damon was kind of in this weird position where, you know, they did win every game, but they lost twice to RNG. And in a lot of those games that they, you know, won in the Rumble stage, the main ones that I'm thinking of are their first game against PSG Talon and those first two in those two games against Cloud9. Those are games that most like you should lose. They were Cloud9 had big leads on them. PSG had a pretty big early game lead on them. I think they had like two drags and a 3k gold lead in the PSG Talon game. And Damwon is just so good when it comes to like doing damage control in the middle of a game in terms of like stopping the bleeding and just getting the game to as late as possible where their team fighting and decision making just takes over. And, and we know that they're their team fighting and decision making come mid late game is the best in the world. I think they are the best team in the world post 20 minutes, regardless of game state. And that felt like it was just kind of happening. They would somehow reach the mid and late game. They would kind of stop the bleeding when they would get down two to three to four K in the early game and lose multiple dragons and then just somehow squeak out the win. Yeah. And it's so funny because we came into this tournament saying that they're heavy favorites myself i said that they were more likely to win the tournament than anyone else and i don't know if i feel that way anymore in fact i do know that i don't feel that way anymore um do i have them winning i think so but i don't know man i don't know it's definitely not as free and I, I guess i wouldn't have said it was free before but if i had them at 60 percent to, to win it before i probably have them somewhere around 40 now something like that because um, I still think that they're a great team. And I would say if a struggling Damwon still finishes first in the Rumble stage, maybe if they do find their footing, they just smash it when it comes to best of five. Now, uh, that, that's a big if, because we haven't seen them look that great uh, since the start of the tournament, honestly. Uh, I think the guy you got to look at is Barrel, right? He's the guy that we looked at in group stage. And I would say that his struggles carried right over into the Rumble stage. I think that that would be the first place to start for me is that they are not on the same page, him and Ghost. And, and I think Ghost even admitted that in an interview. Um, I don't, 
remember who it was. It was something that I saw that was translated. Uh, but it, so I'm paraphrasing here. But he said something along the lines of like, I have to admit that we are having some communication issues, and it seems pretty obvious when watching the games. You will see Barrel go for plays or look for fights that Ghost has either no way of following up or just doesn't want to. And so you're definitely seeing some issues there. And, and despite despite Barrel looking weak i actually still think ghost looks great he still finds a way to be ahead in so many games so a little bit weird how their bot lane is working out right now yeah i think when there is poor communication on a team specifically in the bot lane when you're playing the role of engager and you're playing the champions like set nautilus i think those are his those are his most who played i believe in the rumble stage were set nautilus it's it is kind of a one-way trip in terms of you're gonna go in you're gonna if you're novelist you're gonna q alt somebody if you're set you're gonna flash e alt somebody and it's a one-way ticket to death so i do think that when you're playing these types of engagers and you're having poor communication with your team it is going to look bad do i think barrel is just a terrible support because of the games that he's played no, no not at all i think Damwon's bot lane is still very, very good. Like you said, I think Ghost has still been playing relatively well, despite uh, Barrel running it a little bit. Um, but the main thing I always find super interesting with Damwon that really no other team right now, maybe except for RNG, is doing is there's still, I guess now in a more general sense, there's still like a lot more fights going around, going on around Rift Herald. And Damwon and RNG are pretty much the two teams at this tournament so far that choose to just either you know, send four people to it and have their ADC stay bot lane or just completely ignore first herald and just focus on getting tower plates and getting gold in lane while just sacking the early rift. And I think that's super interesting specifically with Damwon is because like you said, Ghost is always finding a way to stay even or get ahead while from, while, you know, Damwon gets behind in the early game. And that's mainly because he's, you know, not going to the top side of the map, joining the team, to do these team fights at Rift Herald, he's always in the bot lane catching waves and taking turret plates. It always feels like if there's a Herald going on, enemy bot lane tier one is just going down to two or three plates right away. So one thing I'll say about why I think Ghost gets ahead so often is also because he gets a lot of Kai'Sa, and I think that champion is just the best AD carry right now. That champion always seems to just snowball because anytime there is a pick, sort of close to kaisa she ults in and cleans up the kill and so it's actually just so it's just so op to have that pick and i think that's one of the reasons why he's getting ahead so often but i mean you can't just say you don't give any credit to a guy because he's playing that champion like anyone could be playing that champion but it's him that's taking it and he's getting away with it every time and so you still got to give the guy props mm -hmm. um what i will say though about damn one is showmaker and canyon they run this whole team like <laughs> they are so good you know what actually so with canyon i i wanted to ask you this because from my perspective it seemed like he struggled on the rumble and the earlier start parts of the tournament and then looked really freaking good on it towards the end but i wanted to I know agree. that yeah like i i thought that his rumble was quite lethal as the tournament went on it, but even when he was having poor performances on rumble or even when he's having like not the best game just the way that he gets early or early vision on the enemy jungler and then tracks the enemy jungler through vision by either having his team ward, you know, the opposite side of the jungle in terms of like warding Krugs early. Damwon does that all the time where you'll either see Canyon do his full clear and then go ward enemy Krugs, or if he's on the other side of the map, 
Kanye will full clear, go ward enemy Gromp, and then he'll have his bot lane go ward the Krugs. And literally from minute four, Damwon pretty much has vision of the enemy jungler for the entire game. And I just think the way that Canyon specifically and the way that Damwon works around him in terms of getting vision in the early game is just so good. It felt like in almost every game that Damwon was playing, there was a ward being placed in the enemy jungle at four minutes, and they would just ping you, then they would just continually ward your jungle on repeat, and we saw in a few of the Cloud9 games even, Damwon would get early vision, and they would just go sit in Blabber's red buff and then kill him. Or it was even in like one of the Pentanet games where like Pabu was playing Rumble or something, and was like had to go execute into like the enemy base because he got fucked so hard off of level one. Uh, Canyon and Showmaker are just so good. Yeah. And then the other guy to touch on would be Khan. Uh, I just, I know we talked a lot about how he plays a lot of Scion, but the the one, was it against RNG, where he had like 10 CS per minute on the Scion into the NAR matchup? I, I think it was RNG. Whatever team it was, I don't know. Uh, but like, I was like, wow, like this is why you don't give this guy Scion. But I will say that, again, he's still playing a lot of... of uh, yeah, he played some other picks in the tournament, but... Played four Scion me, games, I think, in the Rumble. To, to me, the Scion is the one that I'm afraid of, but I'm not that afraid of the other picks. Um, am I forgetting any pop-off performance on another champion of his? Mm. Nothing so. comes to mind, anyways. Um, so that, that's the only thing to say about that. I think you need to ban Scion. And I think that you have a, uh, a lane to play through if you're banning the Scion um anything else or should we talk about rng we'll go rng now rng uh i think their bot lane is very 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 good i think that that is how they win so many of their games we talked about how ghost gets ahead very often well guess what gala does too mm -hmm. um and, and i think ming is definitely having a way better performance than barrel and therefore i would say the better bot lane has to go to rng no doubt uh from what we've seen in this tournament let's say no doubt. And yeah, I think that these guys are two guys that you can rely on a lot. And uh, I think that they're going to be scary to come up against in the semifinals. Yeah, what I was talking about with the whole Damwon bot lane thing and how they like to leave Ghost in bot when they're doing these, you know, fights across the map or Rift Herald rotations. RNG does that, like Ming and Gala do that, but they also win lane hard. And that's the main thing with Ghost and Barrel where people never had the highest of opinion of them, not to say that they were bad, but they were never like, oh my god, this is the best bot lane in the world, is because they weren't the super lane-dominant bot lane, whereas RNG's bot lane is Ming plays whatever he wants, pops off every game, and Gala is just on the Kaisa train as well, where he just seems to get fed on that champion every single game. Yeah. Uh, one area where I will say that I'm not that afraid of RNG, if there is a weakness, I would say, I would actually say it's the mid lane, I wasn't incredibly impressed with Kryon. I wouldn't say he looked awful. Uh, by no means was he playing to the low standards of perks that we saw in this tournament. But I never felt like he was like a huge threat on a regular basis. It felt like there were some games where he could dish out some damage, and that's great and all. But I do think, again, if we're talking about RNG as being a top team, when you look over and you compare to Damwon, uh, yeah, I definitely think that Showmaker is miles ahead of Kryon. Yeah, it just felt Kryon is just like a bit basic. I don't know. He he doesn't yeah. play a lot of the flashy champions that we were seeing a lot of uh, in this tournament. He wasn't playing a whole lot of like Lucian mid or Lee Sin mid or any of these like AD aggressive picks. He was just like your control mage kind of guy. Yeah. And then Zhao Hu and Wei, they both looked great as well. Yeah, th um, those two are also pretty nuts. I, I think Zhao Hu, he's just... He's got to be one of the best tops in the world right now. It'd either be and him it's or Nogari. It's so crazy because it's, 
it's crazy how you can roll swap and still be one of the best in your role. Like, same thing when Perks roll swapped to AD Carry in 2019. I thought Perks was in the conversation for sure. Uh, he was definitely top three in the world of AD Carries at that time. And it, it always blows me away how guys are able to switch to a new position, play a whole new champ pool, and perform a, as well as they do. And yeah, Zhao, who's no different, uh, he looks good up there. Yeah, like the current jungle meta, I think works out so well for RNG because the jungle right now is super AP heavy with your Rumble and Morgana and even Udyr is, you know, mostly magic damage. Those are your three most played champions in the role. And it basically just lets Xiaohu do whatever he wants in the top lane, whether he wants to take a tank, whether he wants to play these aggressive picks like the, uh, the Lucian and the Jace. Just the way that like you know team comps are working out right now, it just allows Xiaohu to do whatever he wants. And quite often, we'll just see Wei playing around top side the whole game. Uh, Xiaohu will get up like 20 to 30 CS up in lane. He'll literally be hitting town tower plates without getting early Rift Heralds as well. Uh, we, we even saw in the Rumble stage his Lucian against Fudge's uh, Malphite in that first game. Although, I think most people recognize that Malphite was going to be a good pick into Lucian the later the game went because of the team fighting. You just saw how far he was just able to put him in the dirt. He was down like 50 CS or something and had gotten two... T he got both top lane towers 10 minutes into the game after they dropped Harold. And it wasn't even like... The tower had literally had one plate before they dropped Harold and kind of just ended up running it through the tier 2 tower. And Xiaohu was like sitting there like 2 to 3k up on Fudge, not even 12 minutes into the game. Yeah, and the thing is, Lucian is supposed to win that lane. But not that hard. That hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think the, the Malphite's is, supposed to be down 50 CS in 13 yeah, minutes. Uh, I don't know. It is a helpless feeling as a Malphite, though, because regardless of how far you are behind, it still does feel pretty helpless because you do need to take the time to scale. And clearly that's the, the route that Cloud9 went with it. But uh, yeah, it didn't didn't work out for Fudge in that one. So that was an area that was an area where Fudge struggled. But still, regardless, Xiaohu, we've talked about it before the tournament. He likes to play the Lucian top, and he performs well on it all the time. He's... I don't think that you can expect that pick to go away anytime soon. And he looks great on the NAR as well. He's played a quite, a, quite a bit of that this tournament as well. So he's got a few good picks up there that you need to be afraid of. Yeah, he's 12-0 on the Lucian now after Rumble stage, like including LPL as well. Yeah, yikes. Um, let's talk PSG because they are surprising some people, myself included. I just think this team looks good. They finished third in the Rumble stage. I think they have looked like the third best. Look better than Mad Lions. They've definitely looked better than Cloud9. And they've definitely looked better than Pentanet. And coming in, I think most people would have said PSG would have been the other team to fall uh, along with Pentanet. But that definitely wasn't the case, was it? Yeah, I think this team definitely surprised a lot of people. Uh, mainly, I would say mid-jungle was their strength. And I think that's part of the reason why they did look so much better than cloud nine is because i think if you look if you look at the whole team you know going into the tournament it was expected that their bot lane was going to struggle because they were playing with a substitute player and that was totally not the case doggo and kaiwing were one of the best bot lanes in the rumble stage i would say and for me the bot lane was where they looked the best but i totally get why you say they're mid jungle they looked good there too the only area where i wasn't sold was top lane and because that's just because I've seen Hanabi play at Worlds last year, and I thought he looked better at Worlds last year, but he still looks pretty good. He doesn't look great. I would say the other four look better, but he still looks good. Yeah, I I think this team is just solid all around. I don't think they have a player, like, I, in terms of, like, individual skill, I don't think there's a weakness on their team. Like, it's not like, oh, we just completely exploit this guy. 
and you can win the game. I, I don't think it's like that. I think one thing that I really like about PSG is Maple's just ability to play anything in the mid lane. We saw him bust out Galio, uh, which I can't even remember the last time I saw Galio being played anywhere, maybe like lock-in tournament in North America in terms of games I've actually watched. Uh, he was playing the Akali. He played all the control mages. He had a great Silas game against Cloud9. Uh, he, he was looking really, really good. It, w it was nice to see kind of the old Maple back in like season six, season seven, who was actually like carrying games and doing really, really well. Yeah, and I would even say that River, he came in and had a great tournament as well. He did not look out of place going up against guys like Wei or, or Canyon. And like, that is really saying something. These are two world-class junglers. And for a so-called emerging region or wildcard, whatever the hell you want to call it, they don't seem like it. At least this team anyways. Perhaps the region is. I don't I don't really watch the region, but I know that in this tournament, they are looking really good and uh, they are not free. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think people have kind of underestimated the PCS since they kind of got demoted from a major region. I'm trying to remember Ourselves when that was included, right? Yeah. Like I definitely underrated them. I definitely. Well, did. I did think going into the tournament, they were actually going to be better than the Mad Lions. It was it was a bit weird to see, not weird to see, but I was a bit surprised that PSG looked so bad against Mad Lions in the group stage and then lost that first game in the Rumble stage to Mad Lions because I actually did have this team above Mad Lions in the group stage. So to be better oh, than was the that Mad Lions... Because cause I remember you saying that you didn't really think Mad Lions was that great, though. Yeah, that but to... it was then surprising to see them be a lot better than Cloud9 and then be able to take a game off of RNG. Unfortunately, I think the team that they really seemed to struggle a lot against was Damwon. And even in the first game they played up against Damwon, they had like a 3k gold lead against them and two drags, and unfortunately they they threw You're a little about bit. PSG or Mad? No, PSG. They had okay, a game. Their, their, their first game against Damwon, they had like a 3k gold lead and two drags, which they ended up throwing away. But against every other team in the group stage, they were doing really well against. Or the Rumble you know stage, what? sorry. It, well, I, I tweeted this out. I don't know if you saw the tweet, but I realized after the games were all over that this was the only team Cloud9 couldn't beat in the tournament. Isn't that crazy? You beat Damwon, yeah. you beat RNG, you beat Mad. You like they actually could not beat this team which is like i don't know to me that was kind of interesting oh mm -hmm. and, and the other thing i'll say too is that because i wanted to talk about the bot lane uh, yeah i think that this bot lane has looked so good and specifically kai wing is a mask well even doggo has not looked out of place at all this is a sub mm -hmm. he does not look like a sub but Kai Wing is amazing. I'm getting a foot cramp. <laughs> Kai Wing is amazing, uh, especially as Leona is so good. The, these guys, their ability to find picks and get ahead and just absolutely smash, their team fighting is great. And so I'm actually really excited to watch this team. I think that them going up against RNG is going to be really, really interesting, and I, I can't wait for it. The only thing that I do fear for them against RNG is Xiaohu, really. I think... Yes, well, I don't think... The difference, you mean? Like, yeah, specifically yeah the like the difference. The top lane okay. matchup. Like, while I don't think Hanabi is just a player who's going to get completely rolled, I do think that RNG can kind of just game plan around Xiaohu and do what they were doing against a lot of other teams where they're sending way up for level 3 tower dives and they're getting Xiaohu on this aggressive laning pick that can just start taking down turret plays because that was the whole reason why... Jahu completely destroyed Fudge is he's picking this early game champion. He sh shoves in a wave and a half, dives Fudge, gets his teleport burned, dies again, and then two towers are just straight up gone. And I do think that if I had to point a weakness out for PSG talent, it would be Hanabi in the top lane. But I mean, I don't think, as I said, it's like a glaring weakness.
Yeah, I would agree. I, I just I think agree. this team is very good. I think Rivers looked really good on the jungle pool. Maple, I was also looking at Maple's thing. He's played eight unique champions and kind of that reverse of perks where he's actually looking good on all of these picks. And Kaiwing and Doggo, they're, they're super, super solid. Does not look like at all that he's a sub. Yeah, definitely going to be exciting keeping up with this team. Next up, we got Mad Lions. Mad Lions, they the, took the fourth spot. They had a better start to the Rumble stage than end, but I still think they're looking good overall. Not great. Definitely some areas where they need to look a little bit better. Uh, I want to kind of start with the mid lane because for me, I think Humanoid has been their weakness. Um, I, I don't think he's been awful. I don't, but I don't think he's been good. I, I think he's just been average. I would say the way he's playing at this tournament, I would I would pick him as being an average LEC AD, or mid laner, pardon me. And I don't know if that's good enough to move on in the stage. I'm, I'm really worried for Mad Lions, mostly because they're going to be going up against Damwon. And, well, we have made it very clear what we think about Showmaker. Yeah. So I think Mad Lions should be worried for their mid lane at the moment. Yeah. I, I it, It's not that, like, Humanoid has been bad. I just don't think he's had any, like, standout performances. I don't think he's been completely terrible. But I don't so think he's been great at all. I think he's just, like, there. He's, still, like, he's along for the ride. Pretty much. That's so there's the way some I things that I, I'll get a little bit more specific. Specifically, he's making some mistakes that I just don't think a pro player should make. And it's weird because you will see him, some, especially when he's playing like a Lucian, for example, you will see him put out a lot of damage and really pressure the lane. But then you'll see times where like he's walking up to a wave where there's no jungler nearby, there's no vision anywhere, and there's no way he should be walking up to a wave that's pushing towards him anyways. I saw that happen to him three times, uh, and, and he died all three times. Like that is such a bad mistake when a wave is already pushing to you. You've already lost your mid lane turret. There's no reason for you to be walking up and dying like that. And so, yeah, that, that's why I'm definitely worried there. But other than that, I, I have a lot of good things to say about the Mad Lions, man. Uh, I think El Yoya's looking good. You know I love my boy Armut up there. Uh, you know what's interesting? So we talk about Armut and his Wukong all the time. And I was wondering today, is it Armut's Wukong that is okay if it falls behind and it's always okay? Or is that just Wukong in general? I don't know because he's the only guy that plays Wukong. And yes, you're supposed to lose lane in a lot of matchups, but he's always relevant. Always. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the best things about Armut in the top lane. And so, yeah, I just have nothing but good things to say about him. Yeah, I do think that El Yoya, he does... I, I think he's very, very good. I think right now he's kind of serving a similar purpose to how Canyon is on Damwon in terms of optimizing everything in terms of his early clear what lanes he's ganking how he plays around vision i think he's very very good i don't think he's as mechanically insane as the other junglers that are still left uh in terms of like way river and even canyon to some extent i think that el yoya is just kind of like a lesser version of canyon but i still think he's been ha he's had a really good tournament he seems very comfortable on most of the jungle pool so far i think his morgana he's has, i don't think he's played morgana uh maybe he has one game if I can recall, I don't think he's played a Morgana game, but his Rumble has looked pretty solid. Uh, Udyr was one of his best champions in the spring split in the LEC, and he's one of the few guys that has also uh, been playing the Volley Bear. There was one game where they got he got a little bit unlucky in the early parts. Who was it against where he just lost all of his camps? Was it against Damwon? Oh, I, I don't I know. I know what happened there. I don't remember what game it was, but I remember that happening. Yeah, they just got late invaded, and he, like people will look at that and and look at the jungler as getting out jungled and stuff like that. But 
to me, that's very much just one little thing went wrong and it just absolutely snowballed. Kind of like how Blabber inted it once, but in this case, it wasn't necessarily an int. It was just a nice proactive play from the other team. And then they just fell really far behind that. And, and I just, I guess what I'm trying to say for El Yoya is like, you don't need to look at that game and be worried for this guy. He still will perform regardless of having one game that just went uh, wacky, let's say. Yeah. He did have one Morgana game. I checked it. It was their first game against RNG. Um, let's talk about the bot lane a little bit. I think Kaiser's looking uh, better, I think. Um, I think their bot lane what, is actually pretty good. I would I didn't say think they were that great in the group stage. I didn't again, not bad, but nothing stood out to me. Uh, whereas I thought that they started to look a lot better in the rumble stage. Yeah, I would say that RNG's bot lane is the best bot lane in the tournament, and I would say it's a toss up for me between Mad Lions and uh, PSG. PSG, yeah. Yeah, I would put PSG ahead for sure. Um, and that's nothing. That's no shot against the Mad Lions. I just, well, I made it pretty clear that I, I think a lot of PSG's bot lane, they've really, really impressed me. But um, yeah, again, that doesn't mean that Karzi and Kaiser are performing poorly. Uh, they're definitely still good. They're, they're definitely still performing well. And I would say that Mad Lions has a chance to win this tournament still. They need to play better, though. They're not mm -hmm. playing well enough, in my opinion, to win it all. But I do think the team is good enough to take games off of RNG and Damwon, and therefore they have a chance of winning this tournament, right? Yeah, so. I, I like you said, I think they have a chance. However, against Damwon, I think it is a bit of like a matchup nightmare because Canyon is kind of just the better version of El Yoya. Showmaker is so much better than Humanoid. Khan is basically a neutralizer in the top lane, and quite often Mad Lions does put a lot of stock into Armut in terms of some aggressive pick or you know his big team playing Wukong, and Kong, Khan just kind of picks Sion and will lane against you and will go even and will be more useful than you later in the game. I think the main X factor for the Mad Lions in their series against Damwon is going to be their bot lane. I think Karzi and Kaiser have done a great job of snowballing their leads. Once they get them, they've gotten like a ton of 2v2 kills throughout the entirety of this tournament. I think if you give them a lead, they have done a really good job of basically ramming it down your throat. But at the same time, when their bot lane does fall behind... It is kind of the same effect. Thanks. Well, we'll get into predictions later for these matches, so we'll we'll get to that stuff a little bit later. Sa save your prediction for now. Well, I didn't get um, a prediction. Same. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I just didn't want to get ahead of ourselves. That's all. Uh, Pentanet, they took a win off of Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine. Uh, yeah, we said whoever lost to Pentanet was gonna be the team that doesn't move on. That was true. Yeah. Uh, I still think Pentanet sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> They're not good, man. Uh, they, I will say they had a very good game against Cloud9. That was definitely their good game. Uh, but the like, I can't look at that and just ignore nine losses where they're just getting absolutely destroyed. I'm happy they got their win. I'm not happy it was against Cloud9, but I'm happy they got their win just for... The, you, you don't want anyone to go 0-10 and, and just get yeah. completely embarrassed. They got embarrassed nine out of the ten games. It's, it's nice that they picked up one. Um, boy, where, where do I start? I, I mentioned last week, I do not think Pabu is very good whatsoever. He got absolutely humiliated in probably nine of the ten games. Maybe there was one other one that he didn't get dumped on. Yeah. Uh, yeah to me, the biggest problem with this team is the jungle. Um, but the lanes aren't really doing much either. So it's like, whatever, you know? Yeah, it's, it's hard to really say anything about this team just because of how much they were literally getting slapped by every team 
that wasn't Cloud9 in that one game. Like every game that they played against every team in the Rumble stage, minus that Cloud9 game, wasn't close at all. Like from pretty much minute five or ten, they had absolutely zero chance. And while I am happy that you know their region finally did make it out of groups, and then that they also won a game in the next stage, I do think like sorry to like shit on OCE, but like. Man, you just better be, you're just lucky kind of that the VCS wasn't able to attend because I think if the VCS representative was in that group A, in that group stage, like, eh, there's no way there's that UOL no, or Pentanet no was taking doubt. games off them. There's no doubt. And it feels bad talking about Pentanet because there's just so much bad. So, like, it, it just feels like we're dogpiling, but I just want people to know, like, this isn't because we want to. We just got, we got to be honest, guys. Yeah. We got to be honest with what we're seeing. This team is out of place, but I, that's, that's obvious, right? Everyone knows that there's no, that's no secret, uh, but that, that's what it is. And so uh, I'm glad that they got their win. I'm glad that they had fun because they were like memeing and stuff like that, but they were. I'm not, I'm not expecting them to make it out of any uh, plans or anything like that in the future. So um, yeah, good, good for them for picking up the win. Of course it had to be against cloud nine. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's that. It was um, just kind of funny, like, the whole way that that worked out is because since C9 had actually beaten RNG in the earlier part of that day, it didn't actually matter that they lost to Pentanet because most people were expecting them to lose to RNG and beat Pentanet. It was just that, like, the community perception was just so, like, bad because they lost to Pentanet, even though the results had no effect on them getting out of the group or not. Right, right. Like people, right. it's just weird to me how like the NA narrative and the decision making is to shit on them as opposed to praise them. Like let's shit on Cloud9 for losing to Bentonet as opposed to praising them for beating RNG. Like for anything, beating RNG gave me a little bit more hope that they were going to get out because they beat right. RNG. Like if they would have gotten shit on by RNG and then beaten Pentanet, I wouldn't have felt as confident as I did going into the last stage. Unfortunately, you know, Mad Lions pulled out that upset win against RNG and PSG Talon stomped Pentanet, and that kind of just ruined the dream right then and there. Uh, it's but... so, like, of course that would happen, right? Like, of course. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think we need to dwell on that anymore. Let, let's get over into our awards. Actually, before we do, I just want to remind people that we do want your subscriptions. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the sub button. Uh, you have no idea how much that helps us, as well as liking and commenting. That really helps us out a lot. So please do that if you're enjoying the content. Now, let's do pop-off bean soup. Uh, well, I'll let you start. Go ahead. Where, where do you want to start? Pop-off, Showmaker, and Canyon. They, as I said... They just run damn one. Like they're good. They're so good. <laughs> I like Showmaker doesn't miss skill shots. It's weird. His uh, he it was a Cinder game against Cloud Nine. The, the one is absolutely insane. The Cinder game against Cloud Nine, where Cinem was running the double eighty carry comp with the double enchanter. He literally was hitting every single scatter of the week on whatever tar whatever was the target in those fights. He was like hitting prediction scatter of the weeks. He he was like hitting multi man ones. He hits every single Silas chain that he throws. I, I, I don't. And I was already talking about how Canyon like works the early game in terms of pathing and vision. It's so good. If you just watch this team play, just just specifically watch Canyon and Showmaker. They are smurfing the whole game. They're the best mid jungle in the world. And if they just had some like, if you sub in, I think any other LCK mid jungle, I don't think this team is as good as it is. I really don't think so. It's really funny to talk about 
specifically like showmaker on the syndra uh just because we know how good it is and then we see perks try to flank with illusion yeah. against the syndra yeah that, that that's that's gonna make you have a rough day but uh yeah anyway uh for me pop off uh i i was in between i was gonna go with kai wing slash doggo um because i went with fudge last week but na lol i'm going with fudge uh, i gotta go with fudge he's so good um or at least he played so good i mean uh, I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because it is a shorter period of time like it's one tournament and he had a really good playoff as well so it's just been a couple of months of these really good performances but they've been insane and i gotta give him the pop off again uh, i don't care if i'm doing it back to back weeks he looks really really good and uh yeah, that's a definite plus uh, in for Cloud9 in a sea of minuses that we saw uh, over the past week or so. So, yeah, let's mm -hmm. go, Fudge. Uh, Bean Soup, uh, I mentioned on Twitter, I've been discussing it since it happened. Uh, the Cloud9 draft versus Pentanet, absolutely fucking disgusting. That has to, that has to have been the worst, the worst draft I've ever seen in my life. Um, they gave up Udyr first pick to Pabu who literally has been absolute dog shit trash in, on both the Morgana and the Rumble the entire tournament, and where, where Blabber has been totally fine taking the second option of either one, and Pabu has been choosing the Rumble over Morgana, which I think Cloudon probably would have preferred that they would first pick Rumble and Cloudon would take Morgana in response, but they give up Udyr first pick. They then take Senna, not, or sorry, not Senna Nautilus, uh, Kaisa Nautilus in response while leaving open Senna Tom Kench, and, uh, you know, while I was watching the game, I was kind of, I was going through the thought process of, well, why the hell are they leaving Senna Tom Kench open? I looked up, and it had the Pentanet bot lane played zero games of Senna Tom Kench the entire year. And I guess I can somewhat follow the logic that if they don't play a champion, you don't necessarily have to ban it. But when Senna Tom Kench is literally the most broken bot lane in the game, you, you don't just give it over, no matter how bad the players and how bad the team is. You, you just Not can't. to mention, that's one of the only ways you lose to a team that is this bad, yeah. is by giving them just absolutely OP yeah. picks. You, you gave and, them... And you, that wasn't the only reason for the loss. I just want people to know yeah. that we recognize there are things that Cloud9 did wrong in this game. So you don't want to just be like, oh, draft lol. I saw some people complaining that... Pentanet was picking Kiana against other teams and kind of troll drafting, but then they took a serious draft against Cloud9. I will say that's that terrible. There, that's not, that's there, dog shit. There, was, that. there was an interview with Bio, uh, Bio Panther, that said that, look, like their thought process was we need to try to cheese other teams. He didn't say cheese, I'm paraphrasing here, but we need to kind of cheese other teams and, and try to pick something different to kind of catch them by surprise. And then came to the realization that the reason they got to where they were was just playing front to back regular team fighting and so they were like let's go with that and that's what they did and they ended up picking up a win yeah and you just gave them the best champions who do that as i literally said before like they're just ape champions you you, you give them udi or senna tom kench you pair that with a control mage and a tank and that's just like your classic godly team composition that once it gets late enough no matter even if you're behind a little bit or even or ahead you're most likely going to win the game and it's not like that pentanet or just like like, they're not terrible players. Like, they're not absolutely horrible in the grand scheme of things. So if you give them some of the best picks in the meta, and you yourself are picking some dog shit, like Lilia Jungle, you play bad, you're going to lose. It's that not was like... really, really surprising. Yeah. They had Rumble Morgue open. 
and opted to pick Lilia. Whom and Sven is one did of, say, uh, Sven did say to your point, JNT predicted this. I just want to throw that out there. JNT said, like, like you mentioned, like they haven't played Santa Tom all year long, so maybe that's why Cloud9 left it open. Sven did clarify that. And he said they left it open, and he also said that they were all on board with the draft going into that game. That it wasn't just a Mithy's fault or anything like that. That's he said, a horrible like, draft. We were all we were all okay with the draft or something along those lines. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, I did hear him say it in an interview with Ashley Kang. So there's that. God, can we move on? That draft was so bad. Yeah, uh, I'll just get my bean soup out of the way. It was perks. Um, look, he played bad for almost all of the Rumble Stage games. Uh, this is a guy that was supposed to be Cloud9's best player. And again, for this tournament, he was their worst. Yes, he did have good performances when back in the LCS. No, I'm not giving up on perks yet. But this was disappointing to see what is supposed to be your star player perform so poorly. And I'm sure he's just as disappointed in himself as fans are. And so uh, this isn't something that I want to harp on. But I got to I gotta say that it was bean soup watching perks play uh, over the last week. But uh, I expect things to turn around. He was doing a bit of a old Jizuke performance. Yeah, yeah. So with our weekly awards out of the way, let's talk about what MSI has done to your opinions on things. Has it changed your thoughts about worlds? What do you think about team strengths in general? Give me, give me some of your thoughts, JNT. Um, well, obviously, some of, this, some of these thoughts could change depending on how the playoff matches uh, turn out. But it does feel like, you know, I think people went into this tournament with the opinion that Yes, Dam one's not as good as they were when they won Worlds in 2020, but yep. they're still the best team in the world, and they're going to run through MSI, and RNG is going to have to like play top-notch to beat them, but anybody can beat them. Uh, Cloud9 beat them in the group stage, and although uh, it's kind of funny, I say anybody can beat them, although only RNG beat them in the Rumble stage, they did have a ton of close games. They had a close game against Mad Lions. They had close games against PSG. They did look not so great against RNG. I think that this team, it's, it, they've shown that this team is mortal. There are ways to beat them. You know, you can expose them a little bit. I think Barrel, if you want to, you can throw a lot of pressure towards him, and it does seem that he does die a lot. Uh, there are ways to beat this team. They're not this unstoppable force that I think everybody had them as going into the tournament. Yep. And it, you know, depending on the results of the playoffs, we could have a new favorite team slash region. Yeah, to so emerge. My, yeah, so my opinion is that, and this can change, of course, with maybe maybe Damwon goes out there and just smacks everyone, 3-0, 3-0, you know, that, that is possible. But as of right now, I see every team that moved on, I see there being five teams that were in this tournament, in, in the Rumble stage specifically, that could all beat one another. And so well, my the, the circle are, of suck got completed. Yeah, my, my thoughts are that at this point... Right now, Worlds is more open for the taking than it has ever been in the past at the MSI stage. Normally, when you get to MSI, there is one team that looks like an absolute powerhouse and would be the favorite going into Summer and Worlds. And, and I don't feel like we have that absolute powerhouse right now. I, I definitely thought Damwon would be that going into the, into the tournament. But again, you, you said it. like They didn't look that great. They looked a little bit shaky. We saw RNG as well look a little bit shaky in some of their games. Like No one had a really, really good tournament. Even back in 2019, when G2 won the tournament, they just stomped people. They looked really, really good at the time. And so people had them as one of the favorites going into Worlds. 
this year there will definitely be favorites going into worlds but there's no far and away team that in this tournament specifically and so that's what's different about this msi to me is that yeah. i'm not even sure who's going to win honestly every team that's in it right now has a chance still yeah and and even if like we'll just we'll just play hypothetical here like if rng were to beat damwon or damwon were to beat rng that wouldn't immediately make me think okay the lck is now the favorite going into worlds or the lpl right. is now the favorite going into worlds because from the LPL side, like they have a ton of strong teams, and same with in the LCK. Although Damwon did look so good and stomped everybody 3-0 in the playoffs, they beat, uh, they beat Hama Life, they beat Gen G. Uh, those are still solid teams. Gen G, Hama Life, and T1 are all going to be those probably three or four teams that are vying for world's contention. On the LPL side, you have teams like Suning, Top Esports, EDG, FPX. FPX. There are so yeah. many good teams in all of these regions, and even if you Flip over to EU. Like EU has some really great teams. I think we 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 both said in a previous episode, uh, you play EU playoffs out a couple more times, and maybe it's Rogue who actually wins, or maybe it's G two yeah. who actually wins. So I think if you're taking a look at all the regions, LPL I think has five strong teams going into Worlds potentially. LCK well, I think has four strong teams. EU has three strong teams in terms of NA. Yeah. Two strong teams I would say, Cloud9 and Team Liquid. Yeah. But I don't think. Out of all of those teams, there's an overwhelming favorite in terms of a team or a region. Yep, I I couldn't I couldn't agree more. There's yeah, like like you said, there's no overwhelming favorite. Um, I do want to say that there was an interview, or it wasn't an interview. It was just um, uh, it was Crepo and Cadrill talking to Wonder on one of the whatever their show is. I don't know what it's called. It's just something that I saw on Reddit, and Wonder was saying that they had been scrimming RNG, Cloud Nine, and is it PSG? Not there's another one. team I don't remember. No, I don't think it was Damwon. I feel like if it was Damwon, I would have remembered. Okay. Um, regardless, they said that G Wonder said that they were winning most of their games. So that's interesting, right? Is he telling the truth, though? Yeah. Well, and I, I, he I don't think said, he would be straight he up lying. Have it as we're beating most teams, I don't remember his exact wording. Um, but regardless, he's take, they're taking games off of the teams that are at MSI right now, which means G2 should still be a top team in the world what a surprise right that's not that's not a huge surprise mm -hmm. to a lot of people i think people uh, would be dumb they wouldn't know what to do if g2 somehow didn't make the worlds with the caliber of players they have so let's talk about how do, how do you feel about cloud nine moving forward though um do we think that they're still going to be the top team in north america going into worlds or do you think do you think team liquid would have done better in this tournament well give me give me some of your thoughts well i think in terms of if you were to send team liquid I think that they could have potentially... I, I think they could have gotten out of this group. I How, think it's actually fair to say that as well. However, do I think that Team Liquid... How do I phrase this? Do I think that Team Liquid would have looked as good as Cloud9 did against RNG and Damwon, even though they lost? No, I don't think Maybe that. Maybe not, yeah. I think... I even said this at the start of the tournament, or at least before the Rumble stage, that, well, I recognize, and I think a lot of people recognize, that Cloud9 had the highest ceiling and the highest floor among yep. the pair of Team Liquid. That. Yeah, among the yeah. pair of Liquid and Cloud9 in terms of it was yeah. a very close best of five in the finals. I think we all recognize that NA did have two strong teams, and either one of them would have went to MSI, and we would have been happy with the caliber of team we were sending. However, right. as we mentioned before in the Cloud9 segment, we did see a lot more of their floor than we did this ceiling. Yep. But I think you know should cloud nine fix their issues and maybe get their consistency back on track a little bit 
This is a team that was beating RNG and beating Damwon. Cloud9 played Damwon four times in this tournament, beat them once, and you could argue should have beat them two other times. I, I'm excluding the first game because I think the first game was the most Damwon favored. But the the previous the next three games were all in Cloud9's control, and and they lost them. And again against RNG, they had both maybe two games against RNG. They were in control, won one of them, and got backdoored in the other. So for me. Again, I'm a bit biased being a Cloud9 fan, but I'm fairly confident moving forward because Cloud9 is going to have a full summer split, nine weeks plus playoffs to shore up their weaknesses, improve, and then go to Worlds. You kind of like this is like I, I've thought about this a few times that I don't know how practical or or how practical it is or if it's already being done to a certain extent. But my hopes uh, as a North American fan is that TL and C9 just scream each other like crazy and just say, fuck the rest of them. TSM, if you get a little bit better, sure. But I, I think what we've seen uh, definitely towards the end of the LCS season was there was no one even close to, to TL or C9. And so my thoughts were just scream each other forehead. Don't waste your time. Like, if you want to get better and you want to have some of your weaknesses um, exploited and learn about them, I think you got to play each other. But uh, anyway, um, last thing I wanted to ask you about was the rain over thing not being here. Yeah, I, I felt. How much of an issue do you think it was? It's hard. This has to be speculation, right? So I want to be clear that this kind of conversation is speculatory. But what do you think as far as rain over not being there? It just felt like people completely forgot about that. Like, yeah. And while I don't think like, oh, if Rainover was there, Cloud9 is suddenly going to not make all these mistakes in the late game. And they weren't going to have that terrible draft against Pentanet because as we kind of just said, or as you said, like apparently the whole team was on board with that draft. Um, so do I think that having Rainover there was just going to solve other issues and they would have gotten out and they would have beaten these teams and what have you? No, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But yeah. it does factor in to some extent. I, I mean, it's definitely not the easiest thing in the world to be coaching remotely and then right. your head coach of your team isn't there, you know, in terms of like morale or, or whatever, like actually there sitting with you and on stage with you. My answer to it is probably not, just like yourself. It's probably not, but you can't help but wonder, right? And there, yeah. that's just some some copium hopium shit right there. That's really what you're thinking, like, man, if Rainover was there. And, and that's what fans do when they see their team lose. Like, if this would have happened, and if that would have happened, and that's definitely one of them that you, you can't forget you didn't have your coach there. But I believe, was it RNG that also didn't have their coach? I yeah, Tabe was RNG, right? wasn't there either. Yeah, so so I just, yeah, cloud Nine's not the only one that had to struggle with that. And well, RNG looked pretty damn good. So uh, mm -hmm. if people are looking at that, I just want to let people know it's probably not as big of a factor as you think it is. Although I think it's fair to wonder. Um, okay, let, let's get into the semis and finals preview. Uh, so for those that are unaware, RNG is going up against PSG. And that means Damwon picked Mad Lions. Do you think they made the right choice real quick? Yeah? Yep. Yeah, I think so as well. I think PSG's looked a little bit better than Mad. Um, what's interesting, though, is that the RNG and PSG game is on Friday. And so the top team, like, let's, you don't, you can't ever just assume that the top team is going to win, but they are more likely to win, right? So you would have to see, you would have, I guess the top team has to play on Saturday and then play immediately Sunday if they win, which I don't that know how I feel weird. about that. Yeah, right? I, I would think that the number one seed you know, they should have the advantage. I think it yeah. does make a little bit more sense that they would play first and therefore get that extra day because, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, like, 
is choosing like who you want to play like that big of an advantage like not really yeah it helps maybe stylistically yeah. you don't want to face a certain team or maybe the the fourth place team was like going on was like streaking towards the end and the third seed was falling but I, I would actually argue it was kind of the reverse psg was kind of streaking towards the end and mad lions was kind of falling off as you mentioned they had a better start than they did end the reverse yep. for psg but it does feel a little bit weird that they get the number one seed and they have to play the later match and have one less day to prepare and don't get to completely 100% focus on the match on Friday because they themselves have to play Saturday. Yeah, I, and it's weird because I went and looked at the schedule and I had to like go check it again. I had to like refresh, like maybe this is an error, but I'm looking at it right now on lolesports.com. First game Friday, same times, by the way, just so that everyone knows all the games are still played at 9 a.m. EST rather and 6 a.m. PST. So just for you guys knowing it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, same times as the games have been all week long. But yeah, Friday, it's uh, PSG and RNG first and then Madden and Damwon the second day. So let's start off with the RNG PSG game. Now, we've gone over the teams a fair bit and we talked a little bit about their matchup. So let's just do predictions for the series. Uh, best of five. Who do you have taking it, and what score line do you got? We'll start with P uh, PSG RNG. Hmm. Well, I didn't think about the score line, but I was going to take mm. RNG regardless. Yeah. I'm actually going to give them the 3-0. I think it's a okay. bit surprising, considering that PSG beat RNG in the group stage, and PSG was looking very good in the back half of the Rumble stage, but I do think that RNG will be able to learn from the mistakes will kind of shore up things a little bit and i'm i'm expecting a bit of a slapping if i'm going to be honest here so i, I like that you went with a 3-0 because uh, for people that don't know 3-0 is usually the least likely outcome like there is always a chance that one team kind of steals a game and so 3-1 is the most common series that you see with 3-0 and 3-2 being the lesser common ones um I still have to go 3-1, though. I just wanted to give you props, but I still have to go 3-1 because I do think PSG has looked really, really good, and RNG hasn't looked perfect. But regardless, I, I, you can't sleep on PSG. I just want people to know that you can't sleep on them in this, uh, in this series because they, yeah, like I said, they have looked good, and their bot lane has looked really, really good. And if there's a bot lane that needs to go up and hold off uh, the RNG bot lane, I would say it's PSG. So. Yeah, I, I get the feeling a little bit that RNG was probably underestimating a couple of these teams in the Rumble stage. You know, when it, when it came to facing Damwon, RNG looked really, really good. And I think, you know, those were probably the games that they were most focused on because those two games are probably the most important for earning that number one seed. And kind of in the process, they dropped the game to Mad Lions, C9, and PSG. And I do think that RNG probably going to get the whip a little bit from somebody. And I just feel okay. a slapping coming. Okay, and then Saturday it's Damwon versus Mad, and you mentioned before there were some matchups that you were afraid of, myself included. Uh, we're pretty much looking at the mid lane mainly, right? Yeah, mid lane and jungle mainly, just because. I, although I think Elio is really, really good. I think Canyon's just the better version of him. So should Canyon just sh should Elioia make a mistake, Canyon is going to be all over that. And so, what score line do you have this one going? Now for this one, I'm actually going to go with the three one. Even okay. though I think you're probably going to go with the 3-0 on this one. Yeah, we're, we're swapping here. Okay, yeah. and my, my main reason is I do think that Mad Lions, when they get a lead, do a really great job of pushing that lead, specifically in the bot lane. And I do I think that... I something. In, okay, well, Sorry, I, maybe I, I, will, I should go 3-1. Go ahead. Sorry, finish your thought. I shouldn't have cut you off. Go ahead. 
I do think in one game, Mad will probably get some lead, whether it's in the bot lane or whether it's like with a little Armut pocket pick in the top lane. Because should yeah. sh should Armut be playing like a Wukong game? And was that what you were thinking, the Wukong? Uh, Wukong into Scion, right? Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, Wukong. that's yeah. what I was thinking about. When ah crap, maybe I yeah. shouldn't have gone three zero on this. So one. I'm I'm gonna give them the three one. Well. Yeah, I'm giving yeah, them the so three one. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, maybe you ban the Wukong, though. Maybe it's that simple, but then maybe you ban the Scion, and maybe it's that simple as well. I don't know. I'll, I'll stay 3-1. I don't... I usually like to go 3-0s. Like, I did it a lot in the in LCS playoffs, but I don't got the balls for it this time around. 3-1, 3-1 uh, for the favorites for both of them on me. Okay. And then, if if that were to happen, so we both have RNG and, and Damon going to the finals. Now, of course, it's not guaranteed, but if that happens, who do you have taking the tournament? I would have to predict... Even though uh? they lost both games to them. <laughs> oh no, man! Oh, I'm going Damwon. With the whole, so it's funny because like after, so going into the tournament, Damwon, they're heavy favorites, right? And then they struggle a little bit in the group stage, and people are like, eh, I don't know. Some people had RNG ahead, and you and I stuck with Damwon, and then they struggled a little bit against RNG, and you and I are both still sticking with Damwon uh are we stubborn or what, what's going on here i'm going three two however I, I think it'll be very close I, you want to see three two right of, of course that's what everyone wants No, but I, I think i think they're very evenly matched uh, i think yeah. there are you know mid lane is skewed in the favor of damn one top lane is skewed in the favor of rng i think jungle is relatively even i think yeah i, I think jungle is relatively even and i think bot lane well RNG's bot lane is definitely better than Damwon's bot lane. It's not like Damwon's bot lane is bad. Like, if Barrel's not inting, their bot lane is really good. So, for the same reason I said with Damwon versus Mad Lions, I think there's a mid gap there. I don't think the mid gap in the finals, if it was RNG and Damwon, I don't think it's as big as, as Showmaker versus Humanoid, but I do th still think that Showmaker versus Humanoid uh, versus Crying is a big enough gap. For me to lean towards although I, I can't ignore the bot lane guys uh we've said barrel has not looked good and ming has so there is that um, but again i i still think that the mid lane matters a little bit too much and like you said showmaker doesn't miss anything he's a god uh doesn't so i'm gonna go thing. i'm gonna go three two as well for damn one um cringe. yeah I, it is kind of cringe isn't it but, I mean, what do you want me to do? I can't. I can't I just copy my shit. This. I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. I'm not just gonna change and go some somewhere else with it. But uh, yeah. Anyways, that game's gonna be on Sunday, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, anything else on I just the wish, semis or finals weekend? I just wish they weren't so early. Like, there's gonna be hype, I and know. I wanna like, I wanna not have to wake up early in the morning and be tired for the first couple games, and like need to like wake myself up doing with your sleep schedule how have you been oh, making pretty out good. With it? i go to bed early enough to where i get like I six hours of sleep waking up man i suck at waking up early it's terrible i no, it's not that i suck at waking up early it's that i suck at going to bed early enough i've been on the coffee grind I, i've been having like a cup there. of day i just lay there trying to go to sleep being like man i'm not even going to be able to focus on these games tomorrow <laughs> anyways uh okay so let's before we get into quick news there was some stuff that was released today a spicy take by the way uh from yeah. golden guardians head of east lay or hunter lee we don't know how to pronounce it because we're noobs uh jnt i'll let you read it out it is lengthy guys stick with us but it is a very interesting take uh, so go ahead, JNT. Let our listeners know exactly what he went and said on Twitter today. Yeah, for the people who don't know, Hunter, he's 
the GM of Golden Guardians. Oh, I think he's head of esports. He's not okay. GM. Danan is GM. He's head of esports. Whatever. Of I don't e know Sorry. what that entails. I didn't mean to yeah. undercut his role. He's the head of esports of Golden Guardians. Yes. But I'll read from the beginning. So, yeah, stick with us here. He said, NA has international tier talent, but lacks the competitive crucible necessary to produce internationally competitive teams. The competitive fundamentals of the region are poor. Ping, solo queue, size and culture, geography, distribution, streamer money, etc. We won't succeed internationally until we fix the underlying issues that are too complex to solve without the combined efforts of the teams. Riot and the Players Association. Oh, sorry, I cut that up wrong. Riot and the Players Association, because they basically don't do anything with those, is what he's referring to. Uh, it will take all of us and require a huge fundamental shift. Honestly, Cloud9 and the other orgs that only care about international success might be best suited to let their academy team earn them an LCS playoff spot in summer while they boot camp the whole time in Korea, better solo queue, better scrim partners, time to stream and make content. Come back, win your world spot, and then just get back on the road. Being an NA right now with these fundamentals won't prepare you for international success. Cloud9 is doing everything right, just as TL and TL, yeah, in quotations, just as TL and TSM before them, the best we can produce is just not good enough. So now, I don't know why he had to put everything right in quotation marks. I don't know what am I missing something? Do you get it? No. I think yeah, I I think I, 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 I actually okay. What I think he means by that is when TSM back in the day, like season six, season seven, they brought over, you know, their imports, their import in Sven Skarin and was like, okay, we need to import a really good jungler, and then that's that's what we need for like succeeding at the international level and then with uh team liquid after they failed in season eight they brought over like jensen and Korg G. I was like oh this is what we need and then they ultimately failed i think that's the point that he's making is at the time in terms of international success they needed to go import a big player and cloud9 kind of did that right now with perks and in terms of they're doing everything right that's what the other teams did but they ultimately failed just like cloud9 did at msi Okay, and so the spicy part about this take is yeah. the third part, right? Well, Where he yeah. says, honestly, C9 and other orgs that only care about international su success might be best suited to let their academy team earn them an LCS playoff spot in summer while they boot camp the whole time in Korea. What? Okay, one thing I'll say, which I kind of forgot about, was that eight teams make playoffs. So yes, I, yeah, I, I, no, I get that. When I originally read this, I was thinking like you're putting a lot of stock into your academy team being being able to make top six in LCS. But then when I when then when I heard that oh yeah, LCS is eight playoff spots in summer, I was like, okay, that can kind of make sense. Now, let, let that's me. That's the point for me. That that has nothing yeah. to do well, with it. Uh, I think most people agree that yeah. the Cloud Nine Academy team would have a good shot, especially with how bad Golden Guardians is. Like, uh, well, but I, anyways, like I think my eight point is, is a lot. Eight is a lot easier to make than six. Is so I think that part logically makes sense. Is what I'm saying. So I completely agree that the teams would be better if teams did this. But you're literally just letting the LCS product go to shit. I won't even be able to watch the real Cloud9 or TL or TSM until international tournaments happen. Yeah, so what's the league for? What am I watching? Like, what? Well, that and makes no sense. If Cloud9 just picks up and goes to Korea, if you're Team Liquid, why the hell would you stick around? If, I was, if, yeah. if Cloud9 did that and I was Team Liquid, I'd be like, okay, let's just go too. And then at that point, if you're TSM, you'd be like, okay, let's go too. And then if you're 100 Thieves who has world's aspirations you'd be like oh yep let's go too just if i think one team does this you're just going to create that whole cycle of like well the top team's gone so now we're going to be getting if your team liquid cloud nine's gone 
You're going to not get good scrims because, well, not, you're not going to get as good of scrims because Cloud9 is gone. And you're probably not going to learn as much from these shitter teams as you would from Cloud9. So Team Liquid's going to just have the same thought process. Like, okay, let's fucking go. Let's go scrim Cloud9. Now the other like mid-tier to top-tier Korean teams should be able to get those scrims. And I think it'll just like start this whole trend of like, well, if we can afford it, we should just go. I, I just, just dies though. Yeah, like, it, what, it does. Like, like and you got to remember, like, there's a lot of sponsorship money in that. Like, not just for the league, but for the teams. Like, who wants to sponsor a team that's never in the in the the limelight or whatever the the the, the spotlight rather? Um, and until until for, for only twice out of the whole year. Yeah, and right? I, I think two international tournaments. And it even affects, I would argue, a lot of the bad teams in the LCS because a lot of the viewership and put, like or a lot of the potential viewership they get is when they're facing these top teams. Like a lot of your average LCS viewers have no fucking idea who players on Golden Guardians, uh, Dignitas, Immortals are. And a lot of, you know, what they see from those teams are when they're playing the top teams. That's why Immortals got all this hype early on to the split. It was because they went out and beat Team Liquid. That, that's why CLG was getting a lot of hype towards the end of the split was because they went out and beat Cloud9. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of these bottom tier teams feed off the top teams because all the viewers from the top teams end up watching your games and then can potentially like your players and whatnot. And if you just yeah. get rid of all the top talent and viewers, your league is just going to die. As you said, so it's just going to die. So this is very similar to me uh, um, in comparison to the eliminating import rules thing, because what I think it does is, yes, your region would get better, but your league itself would just die. And so I don't think that that's a worthy cause. Like, I don't think the, I don't think the cost is worth because you can't even guarantee that your team is still going to win worlds and you've just let your whole league go. So it makes no sense. The other thing I want to say is that um, I have a lot of respect for, for Hunter. Like, this is a guy that I've listened to a lot. Uh, when he he's on a you know in a bunch of of Travis's content, Travis Gafford that is, and so I hear him a lot, and I have a lot of respect for this guy, and so I want to give him benefit of the doubt in this, in saying that maybe he's not saying teams should do this, maybe he's just saying if the in, if the intention was solely just to get better, this is what you would do. So just giving benefit of the doubt, maybe he's not suggesting this, although it certainly looks like he is. I, I have no idea what to think about this, but um, I'm sure he's going to do some content with Travis Gafford. I know that Travis has said that he's going to try to do a video to get his thoughts more in detail. Um, but I do want to give benefit of the doubt until that content comes out because I'm so puzzled. Um, and I'm really surprised if Hunter's take is that the LCS should actually do this. I'd be really, really surprised, but who knows? Maybe that is maybe that is his take. What I will say is I think he's pretty spot on with his first two points, which are basically talking about how the, you know, and these are a lot of the issues that have been brought up before. Yeah, this how, has but, been talked about yeah, a million about times. About how the competitive fund fundamentals are bad, like ping, right. solo queue, the overall culture and everything, and how international success is, isn't going to happen until these things start to change, which mm -hmm. I think a lot of people have been in agreement with, but... Man, I, I really just cannot get behind the whole idea. And again, like you said, he's not suggesting that Cloud9 should do this. But if their intention is to only succeed on the international level, if that's the case, I can understand that. But it just makes no sense in practice to me in terms of what that would do to your team, what that would do to the league, what that would then do, what would what would that do to the league as a product, and then what that would do to the league competitively because I, I truly think that if Cloud9 were to just pick up and go to Korea and fuck off for the split, TSM and Team Liquid would be right behind. You may as well at that point sell your LCS spot and just join the LEC, buy an LEC team, right? 
Wouldn't you do that? If if Cloud9 yeah. really wanted to that That's... bad, wouldn't you sell your LCS spot, That's buy true. an LEC, LEC slot, and now you're in a region that has better all of those things that we just mentioned, and you're still in an English broadcast area? I mean, yeah, they have different uh, language broadcasts for a bunch of... But you're in the area that the main language is English, and so, like, there's not that difficult of a transition. Just thinking about uh, that, that'd be, that'd be kind of exciting, actually. I've said that well I think I've said that as one of our on one of our episodes before that I think the future of Western League of Legends will eventually be LEC and LCS forming together although I said that I don't think that that's going to happen for another 10 or 20 years or something like that but again yeah I'm way ahead of myself here but I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen eventually honestly yeah but I just didn't think of the idea of sell your LCS spot and just move your fucking horde to the LEC that'd be kind of funny Imagine yeah, like Cloud Nines and the LEC and Vitality. I just, just think out. the NA money's too good. Like the I, um, I agree. The it, sponsorship it. money that you make is too good because you don't have to reach a bunch of different languages. Like there's not that many. Like pretty much everyone who's watching NA for the most part speaks English, and so like it's so much more cost efficient uh, to sponsor an LCS team than to sponsor a bunch of different broadcasts in the LEC. But uh, we don't need to go into all of that. The the, the point is is that. Uh, this stuff is a mess, and I can't wait to hear more about what Hunter has to say about it. Because even though this sounds crazy, guys, I know he is a very good esports mind, and I would love to hear more about it. But uh, that's enough of that. Uh, let's get into quick news. Mm -hmm. Go, oh, James. Okay, Migo. Uh, Non-league related, but it, the Hunter Thieves are in the league. Foosley, she's joining Hunter Thieves as a content creator. She's part of that yeah. offline TV group. I don't have much to say about it. All I'm going to say is, wow, they're signing more people. That's kind of crazy. And it, it just it makes me wonder how much 100 Thieves is invested in their LCS team versus their content creators team. There's a lot of discussion about that all the time. Like, should LCT, LCS team be worried? I don't think so, though, is the short yeah, answer. Uh, I don't they, think so. They make enough money. resources into their LCS team. And so, yeah, I, I think it's fine. They make enough money. What's next? Uh, got a bunch of rust moves uh, and some NA stuff. Uh, EG, they're promoting their AD carry or AD carry Danny to their starting roster. Starting roster was formerly Shiro, was formerly yep. on their academy team. They seem to be really excited about this guy. I it was um, uh, Peter Dunn, their coach. He he tweeted something along the lines of like uh well, i don't remember what he said exactly basically i got the the sense from his tweet that he is very very excited about this player and it seemed like he's kind of a, a diamond in the rough is kind of what it seemed like it, it definitely seems like he has a lot of high hopes and that he believes he is much better than uh and that people may have overlooked this player so we'll see if that's the case uh rip deathly yeah right? i think like, we kind of saw it coming though yeah, definitely has never lasted very long on LCS orgs, to, to be quite honest. He the spent longest, a lot of his career in, in Academy, and it looks like that's maybe going to be the case again. Maybe, I don't even know if they're keeping him in Academy, are they? I think they just straight up got rid of him, if I remember I correctly. I think you're right. They yeah, just, I actually, I think about it now, I think you're right. Um, I think his long, the longest time that he's been on a team was like Golden Guardian Season 8, which was like 10th yeah. place Golden Guardians. Was that with High? No, with, well, with Matt, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely in Mata, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Sag. Man. Okay, uh, what's next? Uh Cabo Shard is joining KC for Long six time months. LEC player. Long yeah. time. He's LEC probably player. a good he's been guy. Around for a while. He's probably a good guy to replace Adam. He, he's even yeah. though Vitality's been in the dumpster for like a year and a half, he was always like a solid top laner. He he was never like one that was just completely getting shit on. 
he was normally like the only guy that was even in the games pretty much. So I think yeah. if uh Karamine Corp is wanting to do another like push for EU Masters or I don't even know how that all works. Like do they play a EU Masters summer league thing? If they do I have no idea. I would assume it's a move to probably push a lot of their other players to get back or to get to the LEC level and they want it they want a solid replacement to continue their success is what I think. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate when you see an LCS player kind of going backwards, but I mean, it happens to so many players, guys. It's yeah. hard to stay at that level for so long, and so it, and it happens. And at least he's got a, what I would say was a really good team in EU Masters yeah. to play for, so there's that. And he's been around a long time. Like, it's not like he just, like, had his shot and moved on. Like, I'm trying to think. Cabochard's yeah. been around for, like, five years, I think. Yeah, a, a while. A yeah. while. Uh, yeah. 100 Thieves, their next roster, which is, like, their, their amateur. next. 100 next is their amateur program uh they announced their roster uh whom i don't really give a fuck about except their top laner uh gamsu who went to go play he's fucking back i love that guy that guy was actually really good when he was in the lcs he was on dignitas back in the day in season five and six or maybe it was just five when dignitas was actually like a pretty decent team uh yeah, and he's playing uh, for 100 Thieves next now. I think he's playing he Overwatch. Did he go to play? Yeah, he's playing okay, Overwatch. That's what I, I don't know that's if he was. I, I don't know if he was still playing Overwatch all this time. But when Overwatch came out, he like instantly made the transition to go play Overwatch. So I have the list here. I'll just name the list of the players. Uh, just yeah, just cause. So support is Busio. I don't know if I'm Busio. Uh, AD carry is in- Instinct. Uh, mid is Young, and the jungle is Chad. His name's nice. Chad. So yeah, that's 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 the real reason why I had to go through the whole list is because I just wanted to say, guys, the jungle's name is Chad. <laughs> anyway, I'm done. Um, yeah, I, I I'm excited for Gamsu. I honestly think that if he has hands and can play the game, if someday starts underperforming, I'm I I honestly think that guy could see some play. Yeah, the thing is, I know someday was underperforming. That's definitely true. I don't think he's underperforming that bad. That no, you get I, I don't think he's that bad. League for like five years or something. I don't know how long he took off exactly, but he took off quite some time. So but I don't. Like, I don't know if I see Gamsu replacing him. But I mean, they off. are going for the world's push, and if they think they're in a position where, like, hey, we don't think that we are going to be a world's caliber team with someday, like they're gonna they're gonna move somebody and they try stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's I think possible. it is possible. He'll get in there potentially. They got Abadage now. That's true. I'm I'm excited for 100 Thieves. Uh, uh, go ahead. Golden Guardians. Uh, they're promoting their beast support chime to starting. And that's it. Nothing else, guys. And they're, they're also making solo start. Oh, true. I forgot <laughs> about that. It's funny because when we heard that <laughs> announcement, you were literally saying that like this guy could just get starting like straight up. Like he could just <laughs> be plugged in the starting roster and. That's pretty much exactly what happened. It's funny. Well, the reason we're memeing a bit is because in the tweet that Golden Guardians made where they were, like, making this big roster announcement, it was like, oh, my God, we're making roster moves for Summer Split, and we're promoting Chime, who has, like, really been proving it in Academy and yada yada, and then, like, last sentence, also solo as well as joining. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the, the take that I got from it or the sense that I got from it when I was reading it. I was like, is anybody else looking at this and being, like, so I, here's the tweet right here. Join us in welcoming and congratulating Chime, who has been promoted to our starting roster following an academy split full of growth and development <laughs> alongside Solo, who will also be starting headed into summer. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> and like, so here's the thing. I, I don't think that Golden Guardians was like, guys, we got to like 
make it hush hush our announcement we have to announce it but let's try to make it super subtle i don't think that that was their intention although it is possible that that was their intention but that's just the sense that i got from it when i'm reading this tweet i'm like huh they're so excited about chime and but and the reason why i'm a little bit like question mark about it is because they had said so many times like we heard an arrow say like Niles is our guy. Now, he didn't say Niles is our guy for the whole year. He didn't say that. But he also didn't say Niles is our guy for spring. He said Niles is our guy. And as long as we have people like playing hard, I remember him saying this. This isn't a direct quote, but I do remember him saying this on multiple occasions that like as long as you're working hard and you're giving it your all, I'm not going to cut you. And it's like back to hmm. academy. But with, with that said, I still applaud them for doing this because let's be honest, guys. There was some pretty poor for performances out of the two players, out of um, Newbie and Niles. They were and the two worst players just, in the LCS. Sometimes you just have to accept that, look, we made a mistake or, you know, you adapt is, is what I'm saying. If you say, like, look, this is a new opportunity now that we, we think Solo is actually still an LCS worthy player. We think we have a better, better chance of winning with him. And we also think that we can develop um niles in in academy or or newbie for that matter like i think that it's totally fine to do this and so it seems like i'm harping on them for this move or or for their tweet it, it's not that it's just it was funny the way that it, this whole it was thing all phrased and worded yeah, yeah. Uh, you there's nothing wrong with adapting to a new scenario if there's a fork in the road that wasn't there before now you should consider both of those options before and, and that's what i think they did here and i think it's it's good to see solo back in the lcs we definitely think he's an lcs caliber player and we saw him go to worlds last year maybe not his best world performance that's that's totally true but he belongs in the lcs and so um it, it'll be nice to see and, and one last thing i want to ask you with this move jnt is nope they're last still wins wins do you think you think so yeah i don't think they'll be like shitter tier maybe well Well, i guess there's 27 games mm -hmm. hold on let me think about this there's 27 games right Hmm. they won two i mean they're in last place right now let me pull up the standings i know they're they're two and 16 okay right aren't they what no 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 they have more wins i think they have three wins they have three wins I'll, i'll find it i'll find it so they're three and 15 then is this? I just they're gonna win five games. Stage? Wait, like, uh, like, I don't even think they're gonna win five games. They're gonna win four games or less. Four or less. They are three and fifteen. Okay, I finally found the standings. It took me long enough. Four, they're three and fifteen. Four or less. Now, I will remind people of what I said going into the split. I said I expect this team to get eight wins out of their forty-five. And so, therefore, I guess I thought they would go 8 and 37, if my math is done correctly. I know you're not supposed to do math on live stream, but I'm trying it anyways. Um, so, I think that that number goes up a little bit. <laughs> I think that, yeah, it's like, you're going to so think So, you think <laughs> they're going to win six? <laughs> so, you think they're going to win six or more games out of 27? Out of 27? Uh, yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, it's, again, it's I'll not still that I think they're amazing. four or less. You so you think that they're going to finish with seven or less wins? Yes. Well, yeah, but to anywhere between three and seven. For me, the reason why I have a little bit more faith in them now is because the the definite problem, the biggest problem, was Niles by a long shot, and now that player is replaced with an LCS caliber player. You had what was clearly an academy or below level player. That's yet to be determined because we haven't seen him play long enough. But we know he's not LCS player, and now he's being replaced with an LCS player. That matters a lot. If he comes back and plays solid with 
like to give too many ifs, but it's been a long time since we've seen Solo play, and so it's it is an if. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this team can pick up nine or ten wins, is what I'll say now. That's who did where they, I'm changing it. Who did they beat? Uh, let me find it. They went one and one against One Hundred Thieves. They went one and one against CLG, and they went one and one against Immortals. Yeah, so I think you probably get rid of like I, I like I don't know like it. it I think CLG is much better than they started out because CLG at the start yeah, was the worst team by far. CLG. It Didn't must have been CLG early. At the end, though, because wasn't it like CLG beat? Cloud oh 9 yeah, it was. Right? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> they still suck. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They do. That's that's funny though. Yeah. So, anyways, it'll be really interesting. Th these moves are super interesting for me. We're already seeing some moves. I don't think we'll see any more. I think it's getting a little bit too close to spring to make moves now. Who knows? Maybe there's some emergencies and some some things happen that, mm -hmm. that that's totally possible. Uh, but yeah, for now, I'm saying they made a good change. I'm glad they made it. I'm glad they recognized a the mistake. They didn't. You know, they're not too stubborn to realize they made a mistake, and they're going to continue. They're not giving up on Niles, and so I think it's great. I think they'll get nine or ten wins. <sighs> Yeah. Nah. Is there anything else? Well, there's one more thing, but go for it. It's a bit of an interesting one because okay. it's a rumor, but oh. we're not. Well, no, you know what this is. You posted this. I already before. forget. So. Okay. Well, it's a rumor, but it seems like it's from a, like not necessarily the most reliable source. But there's a rumor going around that Cloud9's performance at MSI and then oh. potentially not making it out of the Rumble stage will greatly affect the decision making of the removal of the import rule and my reasoning for putting this at the end and not discussing it before was because the source from this and the whole tweet and everything was fairly sketchy so me personally i'm not going to put a lot of stock into it at all however what does confuse me if this rumor is true is i don't think that one team's performance at an international tournament should bear the weight of a decision for that would affect the entire league. I think Bingo. if I think if you were making this decision based off of Worlds 2021, I would say that's totally acceptable because in that case you're going to be sending your top 3 teams from the region, 3 teams who should be good enough to compete at the international level and if they all flame and bomb out, that's totally fine. Or if they're making this decision based off of Worlds 2019 and Worlds 2020 performances where NA didn't make it out of any groups, uh, you had the fucking TSM 06 meme and NA as a whole just looking really fucking bad. I think that's totally fine. But the logic that the breaking point of this whole decision rests on Cloud9's ability to get out of the Rumble stage in MSI doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Because I think like we've kind of mentioned before, yeah, there might be a bit of bias here because we're trying to look on the positive side of things because we're Cloud9 fans. They still had a... They, they performed fairly well against the top teams in the world of Dam 1 and RNG. And yeah, sure, maybe if they just got completely shit-stomped, I could understand it, understand it a little bit more. But people knew going into MSI, like Cloud9 wasn't this super insane team that is always playing at this high level all the time. They had int games, and people know, or people should have known, that they, could, they were going to have some int games. And unfortunately, they just had more int games than good games. Yeah, so I like that you bring up the point that if C9 gets a limit, like that's the part that it was really shaky to yeah. me. Yeah, like, like the, the quote was so it was from esports Maniaco or Maniacos. What or something. is that I, even? I don't like, know. What is well, that? first of all, I think it's Spanish. I, I think I don't know. Speak Spanish. I, I like to think I do, but but I think it means esports maniac. 
I don't know. Somebody could translate for us. Let us know in the comments if you speak Spanish. We need help with this. Uh, but regardless, I have seen things come from this source before. And I actually, like, there has been some stuff that is credible from this source. Hmm. But the, I believe, the, the quote was, I believe 100, or I 100% believe that C9 gets eliminated, or that if C9 gets eliminated, next year there will be no import restrictions. Mm, that's where I'm like, that makes no sense. I, I don't really know if I buy that. But where I am afraid is the, the part that says there are rumors that say that next year NA will not have imports. And this is translated quotes, by the way, just just so you know. Um, but yeah, that part actually does scare me because they've been oddly silent for about it for the last few months. Travis mm -hmm. Gafford has mentioned a million times has he, that he's reached out to Riot and been like, hey, can you guys comment on this? If there was no... If they had no intention of changing the rule, they would comment and be like, no, guys, don't worry, we're not doing it. But the fact that they're ghosting everyone on this makes me hella fucking nervous. And now just another source that, um, although I wouldn't say it's the most reliable source, I have seen them report credible things before. And so, uh, yeah, now I'm a little worried, to be to be completely honest. But, like, the thing that, again, still confuses me, that if this is true, you're telling me that... But like we're gonna again, we're gonna play the hypotheticals here. Since Cloud9 didn't make it out of the Rumble stage, we're removing the import rule starting 2022. You're telling me yeah, if Cloud9 would have made it to the Rumble stage and got shit stomped 3-0 by one of Damn One or RNG, the import rule wouldn't have been removed and everything would be the same. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, like if again, if this is true, the breaking point of a decision should not be like on a single team at an international yes. tournament, which most of the public believes isn't that insane of a tournament because it's not as good as Worlds, it's not as good as LPL playoffs, it's not as good as LCK playoffs. It just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, no, and that's the part that makes it a little bit wonky for me. That's why I find it less credible is that last part of if C9 gets eliminated. It's like, well, that shouldn't have anything to do, like one thing shouldn't have anything to do with another. But who knows? Maybe maybe the guy's right. Maybe he is right. Uh, if so, I, that's fucking terrible. I yeah, would not like that. I'm really questioning the people making the decisions over at Riot. Although, I mean, for years, people have been questioning the decisions made over at Riot. And the fact that they're even considering it makes me question the decisions that are being made at Riot. So, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe the guy's right, you know? <sighs> is that everything? Yep. That is everything, guys. Uh, thank you so much for all of you in live chat. I didn't get to watch the live chat this week because there was lag and I had to shut down the stream. So I'm sorry for ignoring anyone that was in the live chat. Uh, but do guys, do guys, we do episodes every week. We are going to go back to Monday next week, right, JNT? That's the plan? Yep. We plan on going back to our normal time, which is 12.15 a.m. So it's still Monday night technically, but it's just past midnight. 12.15 a.m. EST, and then that is 9.15 p.m. PST. We're going to go back to Mondays now. That is the plan uh, for now, so do expect to see us on there. And if you want to catch that live show, go follow Clown Fiesta Podcast on Twitch. You can find us on there, twitch.tv slash Clown Fiesta Podcast, of course. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for everyone that's been continuing to watch our shows and comment on all that stuff. Be sure to subscribe if you enjoy it. And this has been Episode 42 of the Clown Fiesta Podcast. See you guys next week.